everyone. Welcome to another episode of We, Us, and Ours, hosted by yours truly, Charlotte from Chicago. I have an interesting story that I'm going to share with you guys today, and we're going to title it, When Traveling Doesn't Go Right. And this is a story of not only when traveling doesn't go right, but when everything that can go wrong does go wrong. And it will. And honestly, that's just a part of traveling. You're going to have to deal with some setbacks, some canceled flights, some things that don't go well. And sometimes they are just going to happen one after another, after another, after another. <laughs> and that is where we're going to be today. So for me, like a lot of people, sometimes the holidays can be a tough time. So last year for Christmas time of 2019, I decided that I was going to uh, run away to Europe for the holidays, essentially. And the way that that kind of came to be is that one of my best friends in the entire world, she is Scottish, but lives in Berlin, Germany. And she did not have enough time off to make it back to Scotland for Christmas. So she was just going to be in Berlin. And I said, you know what? I haven't seen you in a little while. I don't really have any holiday plans. Why don't I come out and see you? She said, that would be, that would be amazing. And so I started thinking about it. And as I was thinking about it, one of my friends, Chantelle, who worked for American Airlines, she messaged me and said, hey girl, I have a few companion passes with American Airlines that are expiring at the end of the year, and I feel really bad if they go to waste, so if you have any travel, if you want to use them, feel free. Oh my goodness, what a blessing in disguise. Chantel, I love you, and to this day I still, I still owe you. But if you're unfamiliar with how a buddy pass works, with airlines, essentially it's that I'm paying for a ticket, but you pay at a lesser price because you are sitting standby. So you're in a different category um, when buying your ticket. It's not for sure that you're gonna be on that flight. There's a lot more flexibility to be able to change things, but it also can give you a huge discount on being able to fly premium economy or first class business class. So. I'm thinking it's the holidays, it's a long flight, and if I already kind of get this discount, I should try going for business class or premium economy. And so Chantelle and I were figuring it out of when I would fly in and out, and there's, there's things to um, pay attention to, like fees and taxes, so it could be cheaper to fly into Paris but fly out of England because of taxes or vice versa. So. What we ended up figuring out was the best for me because I knew that if I was going to be in Europe, I had to go back to Paris. Paris is arguably my favorite city in the world. I lived there for six months. I have a lot of friends there, some family there. It is just one of my favorite places. So I flew in and out of Paris from JFK. So I was very lucky that there was a nice, easy, direct flight. And it's, it's not that long. I want to say it's about seven and a half hours from New York to Charles de Gaulle. So pretty easy. We picked the date and again, we weren't sure, but we were going to try for me to be business class or then premium economy before being put in normal economy. The day comes, I get dropped off at JFK, we're figuring things out and I was like one seat away 
from getting business class. So that was a little bit of a punch in the gut to be like, oh, I was so close to my first ever business class experience, but it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. And so I ended up getting premium economy, which was exciting to have a little bit more room. The only thing was that they they put me in an aisle seat, but it was a jumbo. So a jumbo plane is one with two aisles, which is very common for international, like transcontinental US to Europe. And they put me in one of the aisles in the middle. I get some anxiety sometimes if I cannot see when we are landing, if I can't see out the window. And I owe that to a 13 and a half hour flight to Beijing, China, where they said that we were landing for about an hour and I started having a panic attack of why we haven't touched down yet and I couldn't see out the window. And then when we did hit, we hit really hard. So that kind of scarred me in traveling for, for a little bit, uh, but that has clearly not stopped my travel bug. So typically I just do whatever it takes to get the window so that I don't put myself in this situation again. But here we are, not at a window, and I was in no room to be able to negotiate. So I said, you know what, I'm just gonna play some, play some Jesus music and be calm when we're landing and it will be fine. And it was, but during the flight, I had a little bit more extra leg room because it was premium economy, which was nice. The seat reclines a little bit longer or farther back because there's more leg room, but it doesn't recline all of the way. And what I think is kind of bogus is that because it's so much leg room, you can't use a tray table in front of you from the previous chair, they put it in the side compartment. So you put the tray table right over your legs, which is fine. But I had no one sitting in the two seats next to me. So what would have been a full open row where I could have put the armrest up and laid down to sleep, I could not just because of the stinking tray tables. But again, it's fine. I had a little bit more extra leg room. I cannot complain. And I finally touched down in Paris and honestly was just so, so happy to be back. I, I was greeted with a very, very unenthusiastic bonjour at customs. And I just, I just felt like I was home. It was great until the custom man saw in my passport that I had a French visa, like a French student visa. And he started speaking to me in French and I do not speak French. I know, I know. I studied in Paris for six months. I can get around, I can read a menu, but I cannot speak French. I speak Mandarin Chinese, and I know how to say I can speak Mandarin Chinese in French, but that was not helpful. So thankfully, after confusing the customs man by not speaking French and then telling him in French that I know how to speak Mandarin, he just was like, all right, go, keep, like, I don't care. So I made it, I made it to Paris. But one of the big factors was that I was landing in Paris while France was experiencing some of the worst strikes that they have experienced in 30 years. Literally, since the 80s, it was the worst strikes. That's older than I am. This was the worst strikes that they were having in my entire lifetime. And of course, right when I was planning to visit. So I could not take the air, which is the train that brings you from 
the it's kind of like the big commuter trains and if you look anywhere it's written r-e-r but i once said r-e-r to a french person and they destroyed me so i in my best french accent try to pronounce it but that's the only way to take the train from charles de gaulle into the city so obviously with that hardly running i said you know what i'm gonna take an uber um which i love how the french say uber so i went to take an uber and it ended up being like 90 euros oh my gosh it was horrendous just to be able to get into the city and it took so long because with the train and the metro hardly running everyone's on the road so it was some of the worst traffic i had ever experienced i said you know what it's fine i'm just happy to be getting here and i met up with my friend tasha tasha who is half american half british was living in paris and so i was staying with her for the few days that i was going to be there and we ended up meeting up so it it worked out fine that i got there it just took a took a while and my wallet definitely felt a punch so tasha and i decided that we were going to go out exploring and everything because even though we had both spent a lot of time in paris we still like playing tourist whenever whenever we can when we're in town but it's very hard to get around Paris without having access to the metro. The buses were crazy, the roads were chaotic, and we were not staying in the heart of the city. We were still in like one of the arrondissements, so in the city, but not really close enough to be walking distance for things. Also, it was December. So we go out, we're exploring, and we finally make it over to the Eiffel Tower because I wanted to put up a Charlotte from Chicago sticker nearby. So we're out and about exploring, and we had figured out at this point that my train in a few days, like in two, three days, to Germany, actually, it was a two, like a two-leg train. It was in one ticket, though. After leaving Paris, I was supposed to go to Strasbourg, France, which is this beautiful little town right on the German border. And it is beautiful with Christmas lights. It is straight out of a Disney book, honestly. So I wanted to go. And then I was going to head over and take the second leg of the train to Stuttgart, Germany, to visit my friend Felix. And because of these strikes, not only were the commuter trains and the metro pretty much shut down, but so were the trains going throughout France to other large cities. So... We figured out that after the Eiffel Tower, we should just go over to the train station and I needed to get a new ticket. And I just decided, you know what? Screw it, I'm not gonna go to Strasbourg because if I get stuck in Strasbourg, not speaking any French, I'm gonna be screwed and I'm not gonna be able to get to Germany. So I said, you know what? Let's go to the train station in Paris where it's more likely that people speak English. My friends speak French and I can get a train ticket just directly to Germany. So after we're done at the Eiffel Tower, we're like, okay, we have to get to the train station. And I'm 90% sure it was Gare du Nord. I wanna say, regardless, it was a train station that was a little bit away. No, I think it was Gare, Gare de l'Est. Regardless, that's gonna bother me that I can't remember what train station. It's not that important, but it was one of the big train stations, but it was a hike from 
the Eiffel Tower. And again, we can't get on the subway, on the metro, and the buses are taking too long. So we decided that we were going to try to find a scooter. Well, we were going to try to find two scooters and use one of the like the Uber scooters, the limes, whatever they're called, and ride it to the train station, or at least closer, because we knew that an Uber would cost about 100 euros. And yeah, that was not really in our budget. So we go to find a scooter, and we find two that are dead. So we're walking all over, we finally find another one that works, but there's only one. And so Tasha says, come on, just hop on. It's it's like one of those those Hallmark movies where two people are riding a scooter and I'm like, Tasha, I love you, but no, I am going to fall off. She's like, no, I see people do it all the time. I've done it. It's fine. And I said, girl, I am going to fall off. Like, this is not going to end well. She said, well, we don't really have any other options. And I said, fine, but I'm going to warn you, this is not going to turn out well. She's like, it's fine. It's fine. We ride for maybe two minutes and we're circling to the front of the Eiffel Tower so we can get down the stairs to the Seine, uh, which is the river through Paris, and there's um, a pathway so that we don't really have to deal with traffic. And as we are crossing the street, in front of the Eiffel Tower, we hit a bump in the curb. And what do you guess happens? I go flying because only one of my feet fit on to the scooter with both of Tasha's feet on. So I'm already balancing. We hit this bump. I go flying and land my knee straight on the ground. And it is totally scraped like a huge raspberry. And I'm just on the ground in front of the Eiffel Tower. And naturally, all these tourists are just looking at me as in like, this girl just went flying off of a scooter. And I get up, Tasha's like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And thankfully, I have learned to laugh at myself. And I have learned to laugh at myself well. So even though I was in pain, I just bursted out laughing. And I was like, I knew this was going to happen. So we had been on the scooter for maybe three to four minutes before I completely wiped out and cut my knee. So after I picked myself back up and we said, okay, this is not going to work. What are we going to do? We said that we were going to try to find a bike for me, which thankfully I'm a lot better at riding a bike than I am at riding an electric scooter. So we find a bike after <laughs> way longer than I'd care to admit. And so we're riding and we're traveling along the sand. It's dark at this point, by the way. So that's, that's always a fun extra bit to traffic is riding a bike or a scooter in a huge city at night. But after making it past like along the Seine, we're getting to the point where we're we have to come up and we're going to have to ride on real roads with real cars. And yeah, it was not going to be not going to be great. So Tasha and I kind of looked at each other. and We're like, I think we need to call an Uber. So we ended up calling an Uber and it ended up being like 60 euros. It was it was brutal. But we made it to the train station and we were able to get there because my first train was canceled. And instead of trying to rebook that one to Strasbourg and then to Germany, we explained the situation. They said, fine, we'll get you right to Germany. So we ended up getting that sorted. And then we took a very long convoluted way back to 
where we were staying because there was one metro that was open from that train station. I want to say it was like the line 13 or something that only goes a few stops in the way we needed, but at least it got us part of the way out of the city. So the time comes, the rest of my time in Paris was chaotic, but I said, you know what? I love it. I'll come back again. And I survived. So now to Germany. I end up getting on the train and I sit down. I wanted to work on my computer, so I went and sat at one of those seats for four that had a table there, which I assumed that meant that people would come and sit with me, which was fine. And some people came and they sat down. And as the train ride was going, we ended up sparking up a conversation. And two of the people that were sitting there told me that they were acrobats for the Cirque du Soleil and they were currently touring Europe. And that is, uh, first off, I didn't believe them. I'm like, there's no way that you're just like casually an acrobat. And he's like, no, I am. And he pulled out his phone, showed me his Instagram, and it was him doing flips and tricks and stuff for the circus for Cirque du Soleil. And it was wild, it was beautiful, but wild. And what's funny is that once I actually made it to Stuttgart, the next day, while I was out with my friend Felix, we ended up running into both the acrobats again. And it was just, it was wild. Like, what a, what a random experience. But I, this was my first time to Germany. So Felix wanted to give me a true German experience. We went and we saw some Christmas markets. Um, his family let me drive on in their car. Well, let me drive their car on the Autobahn. So for anyone who's not familiar, the Autobahn is a like the highway in Germany and there's parts of it where it has no speed limit. You can literally go as fast as you want or as fast as your car can handle. So we went out at night one time and Felix's dad was driving and it was just really wild going that fast in the car. But then we get off and he says, do you want to drive? And I'm thinking, Sir, you have known me for about a day, given I do know your son very well, but this is like a brand new car. Heck yeah, do I want to drive? <laughs> he gets in the passenger seat, I get in the driver's seat, Felix's mom, sister, and him are in the back, and I ended up at peak speed reaching 200 kilometers per hour, which is about 123, 125 miles per hour which was just wild. My foot, as I had it all the way down on the accelerator, just felt it pulling back because my body's like, what are you doing? You're not a speed demon, what are you doing? But I survived, I lived to tell the tale. And then the next day, actually I should say later that evening at first is when it started, I got food poisoning. I woke up in the middle of the night and was just projectile vomiting. And I felt like I was dying, not to over-exaggerate, but man, I felt like someone had dropped a bomb in my stomach and my body was just like, I hate you and this is the end. And so by the time everyone else woke up the next day, I figured out that his sister had also gotten food poisoning. So we were in this crappy vomit boat together. And so Felix ended up having to go to, uh, to university to a couple classes that day. And his sister and I ended up just hanging out. And we watched the Disney movie Cool Runnings because she told me that was her favorite movie 
her favorite Disney movie, and she had it on DVD. I had never seen it before, surprisingly. But it's um, one of those movie. It's a, based on a true story about the Jamaican bobsled team. So it was it was wild. But we just sat on the couch and we watched this movie as we both took turns getting up to go throw up and would come back and sit down and say what I what I miss. And if that isn't the first experience for a country like if that isn't a notable experience, I do not know what is. Because again, this was my first time to Germany. I was supposed to be leaving Germany that next day, but my body was just saying no. You you cannot travel because I was supposed to take an eight-hour train ride from Stuttgart through Austria. It was going to stop in Salzburg and change trains, have like a three-hour layover, and then change trains and go to Vienna. And I have never been to Austria, so this was going to be like a new a new country for me. I was so excited, but my body just said no. And honestly, it was for the better. I just needed to sleep and relax. But the one thing in the back of my mind <laughs> was that I was supposed to meet up with someone in Austria. And it was, <laughs> I matched with a dude on Bumble back in the US, back in New York. And he was from Switzerland. And we were chatting because we enjoy traveling in Europe and all this. And he said, yeah, I'm actually going to England for work next week. And then I'm going to be in some other countries. I said, wow, I'm going to Europe next week. And he said, really, where are you going? And I said, well, I'm going to be in France and Germany and Austria. And he goes, what, what are you going to be in Austria? And I said, my dates. And he said, I'm going to be in Austria then. So I was supposed to have a first date with a Swiss man in Austria, but food poisoning came in the way of that. So yeah, needless to say, I did not meet Prince Charming and we we never really spoke after that. So it's fine, you know, again, if you've listened to my other episode, sometimes you shoot your shot and it works, sometimes it doesn't. So what I ended up doing was canceling my train to Austria altogether, all of my plans in Austria. So this is another city that just got thrown away from this trip. First we had Strasbourg in France, and now we're throwing away Austria. And I said, I'm just going to fly from Stuttgart to Budapest, to Hungary, because that was the next leg of my trip. And honestly, I I thought I would be able to handle uh, that short flight, because it's, it's not terribly far from um, Stuttgart to Hungary. And I felt like I was feeling better that I would I could make it through a flight without puking. And thankfully I did. And so I arrived in Budapest at the airport and I took the local train into the city and I had never been to Hungary before. So this was a new country and I didn't know anyone from Hungary. So this was going to be me staying in a hostel. Whereas most of the other trip, I most of the trip, I was staying with friends in um, their homes in these countries. So Budapest, I was totally by myself which is absolutely fine. I love solo travel. And I show up to the hostel. I'm staying in a room with eight bunks. And it was it was great. There were a lot of really nice people in my room. And I went to bed early that first night because the second day I wanted to get up really early and go to the bathhouses because that is one thing that Budapest is famous for is their bathhouses. And it was a great decision. I came back. I took a nap. And... I was convinced by some of my new friends at the hostel that it was a Friday night 
and the hostel was having a boat party tour and I needed to go. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'll have a few drinks. I sh- I'm feeling better. I should be fine. Mind you, I haven't eaten. I haven't been able to keep food down in two days. So the fact that I was like, yes, let me go on a booze cruise. Not, not my finest moment, but I, it was fine. It ended up being fine. But in retrospect, it's like, Charlotte, that was not a smart decision. Anyways, the time comes around for the, the boat party. And it's our hostel and another hostel nearby that we're joining. At this point, we've gathered a couple people together for this this little little squad, we'll say. And it was a lot of people traveling solo. I met this lovely couple from New Zealand. I had made a friend from Australia, from Hong Kong, from the Philippines. And then once we were actually on the boat, we all ended up connecting with this group of guys who were from Brazil. And so we ended up having a big group together very quickly into the night and we we danced we drank we had an amazing time it was beautiful the weather wasn't terrible there was a coat check so that we could we didn't have to carry our huge winter coats around we were out on the roof but they had heaters and then we were inside on the boat and it was it was beautiful truly it was a magical experience just getting to see those views of the city but also just make friends with people and it was a holiday themed party because it was the weekend before Christmas so they were passing out Santa hats they had body glitter that you could put on so if you know me in real life you know that I love glitter I even have a bag that says glitter is my favorite color so I was decked out in glitter just having a great time the boat party lasted for a few hours we're all just enjoying the night it was truly just a great night and then we dock and they said all right everyone follow us to the after party i'm thinking after party i have been up since like 6 a.m today i am not i am not feeling this but i go with the flow we get to the after party it's it's at a club bar thing and we're all together and i see my friend who i had made i had made a friend that night um whose name was kai and earlier i had taught kai one of my favorite pieces of advice because he had recently ended uh things with his travel companion and i said kai you just gotta catch flights not feelings and he thought it was so funny and he's like i like that and so that's truly what sparked our friendship was me teaching him to catch flights not feelings so while we're at this after party i look over and kai does not look like he's doing too great so i go to check over on i check in on him and i said hey how you feeling and he looks up at me and is like hmm, nope and i said do you think you should go back to the to the hostel and he nodded and i said do you feel comfortable getting back by yourself and that's when he looked at me and he shook his head no i said all right get your coat, let's go. He's like, what? I said, yeah, let's go. I'll take you back. He goes, no, you're, you're having fun. Why do you want to leave? And I said, because you want to go and you don't feel comfortable going by yourself. Let's go. I said, we'll go say goodbye to everyone. It's fine. And he's like, are you sure? I said, yes, let's go. So we said goodbye and everyone's like, oh, come back out after you drop him off. And I was like, "Mm, maybe knowing that that wasn't going to happen. But I said my goodbyes and we I grabbed Kai and said, okay, let's go. We get downstairs and 
we were trying to find a taxi. And what I didn't know about Hungary at first was at the time, didn't have access to Uber. They That wasn't a thing in the country. But also some European countries, they do taxi lines, like taxi stations. So you can't just hail a cab like you would in New York City. And I did not know if Hungary was one of those countries that you had to go find a taxi line or if you could just hail them off the street. But luckily enough, as we were walking outside, a cab was pulling up to drop someone off at the club. And so I asked Kai, I, I had assumed he was staying in the same hostel as me, but I had to ask. I said, do you know how to get back? And he said, no. <laughs> I said, do you know the name of our hostel? And he said, no. Thankfully, one, I knew, but two, the hostel where we stayed was used to having a lot of partiers. So what they would do when you checked in, they put a wristband on you that had the name of the hostel, the phone number, the address, and an email address so that if any of their patrons got too drunk and could not find their way home, that people strangers essentially could uh identify where they were staying by their bracelet and it was latched on and they would cut it off when you would check out so thankfully that came in handy and i think more hostels should do that honestly but i knew where we were going so i told the taxi driver we got in and as we were driving back kai said i i really don't get like why you left and i said because you said you didn't you wanted to go back and you didn't feel comfortable going by yourself and he said yeah but like you only met me tonight you don't really know me that well and I said that doesn't matter I said if I was in your situation and if I wanted to get back to my hostel if I didn't feel comfortable leaving by myself or getting home alone I would hope that someone would leave their fun night for me and he just kind of looked and he said wow yeah and that brings me back to some a very sad event that we had happen in in college was that um one of my friends passed away in an accident because he left a bar by himself um when he was very intoxicated and that was the first thing i thought of was was mario and how everything went down there and i said you know what if if me leaving a night early is some is a way that i can help guarantee someone get home safely like of course i'm going to and i'm going to do that in in memory of mario and so we get back to the hostel and I I dropped Kai off in his his section and was like, okay, bye. And I could not wait to get to bed. So thankfully, I had a, a decent, decent night's sleep, but we woke up the next day and we had all decided while we were on the boat that we were going to go on a hike the next day. Not a hike, but it was a city tour that the hostel was leading. What we didn't know was that most people would be waking up hungover. I was still feeling a little not a hundred after my food poisoning. And it was going to be raining in the cold of December in Hungary. Like, it was just not a great combination. But we, we all decided that we were still going to do it. So we go on the hike. And we decided, well, we didn't decide. The tour guide decided that we were hiking to the highest peak in Budapest. Which involved a lot of stairs. A lot of wet stairs. Wet and cold stairs. So, when I, when I get overheated, I tend to throw up. It's happened to me in Las Vegas. It's happened to me in 
the Philippines. It's happened to me in a couple places. If I get overheated, I will yak. And even though it was cold in December, I was bundled up in my winter coat doing a lot of strenuous exercise getting up this to this huge peak. And based on the fact that I hadn't really eaten in like two and a half days after this food poisoning, I thought I was going to yak on this hike. And the group kept kind of falling behind for me and I felt so bad. I'm like, no, just go. It's fine. Like, I just don't feel good. And you know who stayed behind with me the whole time? Kai. I said, dude, it's fine. You can go keep up. And he said, you didn't leave me last night. I'm not leaving you today. Mm. I get choked up just thinking about it. Like, that's, that's genuinely, that, that to me is just so beautiful to think of two pretty much random strangers saying, you know what? I'm going to be here for you. Take your time. It's, it's fine with me leaving the bar early to make sure he got back safely and him not abandoning me on the hike as I'm (laughs) about to yak. And it was, it was very wholesome. So we finally all made it up to the top and it was great. It was a beautiful view, even though it was foggy and rainy, it was a great time. And it just, it really solidified, solidified a new friendship One of the core values in this podcast is go out and make friends in unexpected places. And I can tell you that a boat party and a post-party hike the next day are two very unexpected places to make a friend, but would not change it for the world. And even later that night, we ended up going, the whole group of us, along with like the Brazilian guys, who were staying in a different hostel, we all ended up going to the Ruins Bar, which is very famous in Budapest and was absolutely beautiful. I really recommend it. It's super unique. If you're ever in in Hungary, you have to go check out the Ruins Bars. And the next day I was leaving and I was headed to Germany. I was headed back to Germany, but I was headed to Berlin. So the next, I leave that night. I get to bed kind of late. I'm up at five o'clock to fly out. I make it to the airport, I fly to Berlin, and Kirsten picks me up, and we take the train back, and it was just, the trip was a little chaotic to start with, because just a few days before I came, Kirsten's wallet got pickpocketed from her bag, so she is operating on cash only, no card, Um, I'm towards the end of my trip, and my wallet was definitely feeling a little empty after all of the Ubers in Paris and just unexpected change fees of my train tickets and buying a new flight, all of that. So we we were already balling on a budget, but we were now balling on a real budget in Berlin. And the nice thing is that Kirsten's one of my best friends. So I said, you know, we don't have to go do all the touristy things here. I just want to spend quality time with you, which was great. And so a few, like two of the nights, we ended up just staying in watching Christmas movies and we were baking and just getting, being festive, honestly. But we did get to go to some Christmas markets and because when in Germany, you have to go to the Christmas markets and Christmas came around and it was just a great, a great chill day. We met up with four of her friends that were still in the city and we just hung out. It was a very quiet, chill Christmas. We did go to a Christmas Eve 
church service because my church, Hillsong, has a location in Berlin. So that was really fun to get to do an international Christmas service. But on Christmas Day itself, we just kind of hung around. We did a secret Santa gift, so just everyone got one gift, which was really nice. And my favorite thing about Christmas was... I think more Europeans do this. Like it's it's not as uncommon as it felt like to me. Because for me, Christmas dinner is usually like ham, just like you would think of Thanksgiving as turkey. But our Christmas dinner in Berlin was raclette. And if you don't know what raclette is, oh my goodness, strap in. Because raclette is one of my favorite foods in the entire world. Well, raclette is a cuisine. Raclette is a type of cheese. It is a Swiss cuisine, I should say. And it is typically and traditionally served as a melted cheese that is melted under a heat lamp. You scrape the cheese off and you serve it over meat, potatoes, or veggies. And oh my gosh, it is one of the best things in the entire world. I'm sorry if you are lactose intolerant. Honestly, I think it's worth risking it. Take some lactate and you will you will not regret this. For home raclette, there's heaters that you can buy where you can cook the meat and under the fire and then the cheese is melting below it or veggies because most of the people actually at our Christmas dinner were either vegetarian or we had one vegan. I felt kind of bad for her because she missed out on the cheese, but I was cooking meat and then eating with veggies. And it is it is so good. Honestly, also, if you're in New York City, one of my favorite restaurants is called Raclette on the Lower East Side. Go check it out. But it was delicious. And I still hadn't really been eating much after um, the food poisoning. So this was a nice, well-deserved meal after multiple days of not really eating. The day after Christmas was my last full day in Berlin. And Kirsten and I said, what better way to go out than with some karaoke? And we ended up, it was a little chaotic that night. I honestly think that this is a story that will have to be saved for another time, the full details, but we we had some crazy, crazy situations getting to the karaoke bar, at the karaoke bar, and whew, Berlin, it was a very dark city. I don't know if that also just has to deal with the fact that it was in there in the middle of winter, but it was dark. And I think for me, it made me much more aware of my surroundings, but also the fact that like, you sometimes need to step in and help someone. And Kirsten and I were on the train and we ended up seeing a young girl, only a few years older than me, bleeding from her head, just sitting on the train and no one, no one even gave it a second thought. Kirsten and I ran over to her. We're like, are you okay? And she kind of like shoot us off, but she said, yeah, I'm fine. I just got hit by a car, but I'm taking myself to the hospital. And Kirsten and I were just baffled. We're like, what? What? You... You got hit by a car and then decided to take yourself to the hospital via the train and you have to transfer? Like she was waiting to then transfer to a different train to go. It was it was crazy. And honestly, 
I could talk more about that another day. But that was that was one of those situations that again, when everything can go wrong, it does. And we we made sure we offered to go to the hospital with her and she said no. She said she was fine, but she appreciated it. And it was it was wild. And the rest of the night at the karaoke place, the very dive karaoke bar got even more crazy. So I was I was honestly ready to be leaving Berlin. So the next day, I we woke up. I took an Uber back to the train or to the airport because it didn't make sense for Kirsten to go with me to then have to go back. So I took an an Uber to the airport and I flew back to Paris because I was going to be flying in and out through Paris. And when I landed in Paris, I landed pretty late at night. So I had friends that I could have stayed in with in like central Paris, but it just, it didn't make sense to try to spend another $100 on an Uber to spend a few hours of sleep to get back. So I ended up booking a hotel um, very close to Charles de Gaulle. And it ended up being one of the best decisions. I stayed at the Citizen M, which is now one of my favorite hotel chains. It's kind of like a bougie hostel in the way of it's very simple, but it is incredible. They have contactless check-in. They had a great restaurant downstairs. The rooms are are small, but it's a California king-size bed. It goes wall-to-wall, and it's a wall-to-wall window. The entire room is operated by an iPad. The TV, the lights. Also, they have colored lights in the bathroom that show shine into the whole room, so you can change it like blue, purple, pink, yellow, all of it. It's wild. And since we were right next to the airport, I could literally see the runway from my bed. And for me, being the aviation geek that I am, I was sitting there just glued with my eyes out the window being like, oh, let me go look at the planes. And it was so cool, so nice, and honestly, very, very affordable. There are Citizen M locations all over the world. I recently stayed at one in New York City and did a staycation and it was just as incredible as Paris is, if not even more incredible. So if you're looking to stay in a unique hotel, it's a little bit smaller, but very cool, very price efficient, and I I can't recommend it enough. So check out the Citizen M. But the next morning came around and it was time to fly back to the US. Remind you, I still am flying on a buddy pass. So there's no guarantee that I am getting onto the flight that I'm supposed to be getting on. And at this point, we're getting pretty close to New Year's. So there's some very full flights flying into New York for New Year's. Shocking, I know. I show up at the airport and I find out I'm like number 15 on standby. And I'm like, oh no, this is not good. That's, that's a lot. And I, again, I'm hoping that I get first class. Like I wanted business class. I wanted, I wanted to experience a lie flat seat. And at this point I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I'm lucky if I'm going to get middle seat on the last row of the plane. That's what the next eight hours of my life is going to be. So I show up really early and go to the gate and let them know that I'm there to be like, hi, please get me on this flight. 
and they said okay like we have your name down we know that you're here when we figure out if there's a seat for you we'll let you know I said great so they start boarding and I'm texting Chantel but at this point it is like it's pretty early in the morning for me so it's really late for her in the U.S. and she's like I have to go to bed I have work and I'm like okay that's fine but because it was a buddy pass you have like to change anything you have to be the employee or have that login which I did not have so if I didn't get on that flight I there's a good good chance I'm going to be stuck here and I'm thinking this is not ideal I need to be back in the U.S. I have other engagements so I'm just standing there in the back praying I'm like god please let me on this flight like I don't even care where it is just please get me on this flight as they're going through everyone's boarding everyone's boarding they call a couple standby passengers and they call Thompson C and I'm thinking oh yes I've made it and I run up and the woman looks at me and she's like what are you doing and I said you called Thompson C and she goes uh, uh oh she goes no Charles Charles I'm like no what like you you can't do that to me like uh, my heart i i was feeling it like what so i hold my head in shame and i go back and i'm just standing there thinking okay i i'm not gonna get on this flight i have to just deal with it i'm not getting on this flight and I'm, I'm standing there as they're getting towards final boarding call. The lady looks at me and she goes, Thompson C? And I run over and I said, did I make it? She said, yes. And I was one of the last people to board that flight. And she hands me my boarding pass. Again, I'm thinking I'm going to be middle seat, last row of the plane. I look at it, 6A, 6A, I got business class, Ugh. I'm sorry for my high-pitched voice, I'm just, I was so excited, I, this was my first time ever flying something like that, I, and to think internationally, oh my goodness, so, I run onto the plane. I'm the last person to board in the first class, business class area, whatever. And I show up and I'm in like leggings, a t-shirt and no makeup. I do not look like I belong here. But man, was I going to get everything out of this experience. And I, the flight attendants come up and they offer you a drink, water, whatever you want. And I immediately said, so, so what's your name? You're not wearing a name tag. And the woman looked at me kind of concerned and, and she said, Michelle. I was like, oh, thank you, Michelle. And she got kind of confused and walked away. The other flight attendant came to help me and his name was Peter. So the whole flight, I'm like chatting up Michelle and Peter. And as we, we get our food and everything, American Airlines on their big, big flights and if you're sitting like first or business class you can get a hot fudge sundae and so i of course was gonna get a hot fudge sundae so at one point peter walks over and he's like charlotte can i get you anything and i was like honestly could i have some more hot fudge for this sundae and he's like oh absolutely so 
it was worth the price of admission right there. Let's let's be honest. And so I I used the lie flat bed, but I didn't want to sleep much because I knew that when I landed back in the US, it would really mess up my jet lag if I had slept most of the day. So I stayed up, I watched some movies, hung around, and then it came time to land. Like I said, I've had some issues with landing before. So I was a little nervous. I actually, I wasn't, the, what I was nervous about was that the way that Americans sets up their business class seats, it's not everyone's facing forward. The seats kind of go diagonal. So I'm sitting with my feet towards the back of the plane. I'm facing the back. So when we were taking off, I was like falling forward because of like the projectile of it. So I knew that that's what was going to happen when I start, when we landed, was that as they're breaking, I'm going to be flying backwards because of the direction that I'm sitting. So I mentally prepared for that, but also I had such a good view with my window that I wanted to have my camera out to take pictures of Manhattan when we were landing. And what I did not realize was that when we landed, that my lens cap would go flying out of my hands and it fell into the crevice between my seat. Yeah, I never got that back. I tried, I even moved my seat. I like tried to kick the legs out a little bit. It, it went farther, deeper. Nope, there was no getting that back. So I said, you know what? That thing's gone. And it was, it was the cherry on top to the trip that had a lot of issues from two canceled cities to food poisoning to way outside of my budget that I had planned for transportation. Losing my lens cap as I touched down in the US was the cherry on top. But you know what? It was a great trip. I don't wanna say I would do it all again because I truly would like to never have to experience food poisoning while traveling ever again, but I know it's gonna happen. It's just part of it. It's part of the travel, it's part of the game, it's part of life. And I just encourage you to roll with the punches because when you travel, things are gonna go wrong. Sometimes everything that can go wrong will go wrong. And that's just what it is, but some beautiful things can come out of it some unexpected friendships in unexpected places, some new foods, some new cities. You never know what you're gonna experience when traveling. So I am wishing you all a very Merry Christmas coming up. I can imagine that my Christmas 2020 will not be nearly as eventful as my Christmas of 2019 was, but I'm excited to celebrate. I hope you all are going to be able to celebrate safely and do something do something fun, spontaneous, and I'm so excited for this new year and for all of the adventures that it is going to bring bring all of us. I hope that this new year brings you lots of friends in unexpected places and try some raclette for me, why don't you? Let me know how you like it. Thanks for listening. See you guys next time.